Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Ain't gonna hurt. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking 1998, John Carpenter's Vampires. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you have already seen the movie. And Sandro, what an amazing birthday gift to yourself. We get to sit down and talk about vampires. <laughs> the funny part is you say that it's like my birthday gift. And yes, for all those who don't know, we're recording this on my birthday. But the episode's not getting posted for like four more days. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sandro. <laughs> Somebody's going to listen to the episode and be like, happy birthday. Like, that was a while ago. <laughs> Whatever. It's a time capsule. Fucking deal with it. I love that it, you, you start with that instead of asking me if I've seen this movie before. <laughs> I, I know you've seen it before because we watched it together last no, weekend. No, obviously, every movie we review, I've watched that week for the review. But I've actually seen this one independent of that in the past. Why? What do you mean, why? Why would you watch this by yourself? I don't, like I said, I, there's a whole bunch of movies, especially if they're like mid to late 90s, that my dad would just rent movies all the time. Uh, yes. And we would watch. I remember that like I watched this movie. I did not remember much of it at all. In fact, the, the reason that I picked it is because you and I were deep into watching uh, Cobra Kai, and you had mentioned how amazing uh thomas ian griffith uh just kind of conveyed and, and appeared had that like daunting image of a vampire and that's what i would be thinking about i'd say best one of the ultimate movie vampires yeah so like i didn't remember much of the movie but i remembered watching it i remembered that james woods was in it but like at the time because i hadn't seen karate kid I had no idea who Thomas Ian Griffith was. He was just the guy who was the vampire in the movie. So <laughs> that's why I picked it. Because I'm going to be biased. Like, I've been really enjoying him in Cobra Kai. And then Fantastic. I know you've mentioned this movie multiple times in the past as one that you really enjoy. So I thought, let's do it. I'm 100% down. I was very excited when you said that. Uh, go going back to... Thomas Ian Griffith, though, the first time I saw this movie, I was enamored. I was like, who the hell is this person? Wait for the credits to pop up. I see Valak, Thomas Ian Griffith. Now, 16-year-old me immediately confused him with Thomas Ian Nicholas from Rookie of the Year. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy grew up fast. I don't know who that is. Did he play uh, the, the kid? Yeah, he was the kid. He was also in the American Pie movies after this. And when I saw American Pie, I'm like, oh, wow, how wrong I was. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the age jump. <laughs> yeah, right? I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I'm a stupid 39-year-old, too. But it's like, <laughs> I, at least I can acknowledge that. But uh, I don't know Thomas Ian Griffith from anything other than Vampires and Karate Kid 3 and Cobra Kai. And I find that to be an, like a horrific blunder on Hollywood because this guy's a fantastic actor. 
He ha- I'm going to show my bias here. It's super blatantly early. He has such a presence. This is the best word I can think about. When he's yeah. on camera, whether he's a vampire, whether he's playing silver in Cobra Kai, he just demands your attention. And it, mm-hmm. it, it helps that he is a towering figure, too. I don't know if everybody else in Hollywood's just super short or if he's a genuinely tall dude, but he, he has an air to him. Yeah, and I, I've got a bit of trivia for later on, but I want to bring up one point, too. Is that, like, early, I should say, is that originally cast as Jack Crow was Dolph Lundgren. Oh my now, <laughs> can you imagine Dolph Lundgren going up against Thomas Ian Griffith and how amazing that movie would be? I want that movie right now. A, Me too. Like, Dolph in the 90s, as I've just recently discovered through this podcast and how amazing he was. Yeah. And this Thomas, although Thomas Ian Griffith might not look as towering if he's standing next to Dolph. <laughs> and I have to say, too, if we watched that movie, at some point it'd be like, come on, guys, can't we just, like, team up or something? <laughs> I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want anyone to lose. But can you imagine Vampire Slayer and Master Vampire forced to team up? Fuck, actually, yeah, I can't imagine that. Make that movie. <laughs> Even today, make that movie. I'd watch that. That would be awesome, like a vampire that is working, like as an um, informant to some sort of like government official that's just trying to blast them. I don't know for whatever reason. I, I would. Watch I'm pretty. Sure, I'm pretty sure that's Helsing, isn't it? I don't know. Okay, I'm sure that wrong. movie's been made, and we just don't know it. All right. So before we get into the plot, it's fitting that you said trivia because I have trivia for you. Do it up. Oh, is this your game? Yes, it's the game. That I forget about every time? That you forget about every time. (laughs) All right. I will say it's a rough one this time. Because we have two actors that are barely in this movie. Uh, I already know who they are. All right. Mark Boone Jr. Correct. As Catelyn. Mm -hmm. In? And uh, 30 Days of Night. Okay. And the other one? Uh... Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. In? Showdown in Little Tokyo. You got it. Yeah, honestly, I'm looking at this cast list and I'm like, this is going to be the least interesting of this trivia game that I've done yet. I am quite happy that we've never covered James Woods before. Why is that? I just don't like James Woods. Okay, then. Uh, Okay, we're going to (laughs) not. No, he's just, he's, the thing is, reportedly, high IQ genius levels, hardcore right winger, um, notoriously difficult to deal with on set. Uh, but honestly, like I've seen a bunch of his movies and for the most part, they are pretty entertaining. So it's separating the art from the artist, I guess. The thing that I was having difficulty with is because you were saying (laughs) you're kind of glad we didn't cover it. And it's like, all right, now I have to tell you that that is going to stop. We are now going to cover it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Well, of course, his name's in the title. It's directed by John Carpenter. Our fourth John Carpenter film, I think, that we've covered. Uh, the Thing, uh, They Live, and I think I got you with this trivia last time. Yeah, I, I did not remember In the Mouth of Madness. Perfect. 
Okay, I know we're going a little long here, but I just looked at the first piece of trivia from the IMDb, and it would have made the movie that you had suggested even better. Oh, I know what it is. <laughs> and I'll, I'll get into that in my trivia later on. Oh, so I can't say it now? I'll go for it. Okay, so Bruce Campbell was Carpenter's first choice to play Montoya. Can you imagine Dolph and Bruce as a team? <laughs> Oh, it'd be amazing. It'd be so good. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's... We want to talk about the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. Um, we start off at Sunrise Over New Mexico. A group of slayers led by Jack Crow, played by James Woods, arrive at an abandoned house tasked with clearing out a vampire nest. Standard. I like it. Already getting a strong neo-Western vibe. Uh, Carpenter's score drives that one home hard. So, you and I watched this together when I was in Nova Scotia last week. Yes. And you ruined this entire scene for me with one sentence, right? Okay, well, before you say that, <laughs> let's let's just talk about something else first, and then sure. I'll, I'll let you get to that, because I, I have it in my notes, and I still maintain it would have changed everything. But you said it before we watched the scene, and then I couldn't help but watch the rest of the scene thinking, damn. <laughs> Why did okay, you just go save it. it till the end? <laughs> All right. Well, we meet Montoya, uh, Daniel Baldwin. Originally, uh, Alec was cast, but had to drop out. Uh, oh. And this is uh, Jack Crow's second in command. Uh, I honestly think Daniel was better cast in this role anyway. Alec would have definitely taken away from uh, James Wood's star power. <laughs> Sorry, the the words James Wood star power is not something I expected to say. Um, but what's up with the red tint to the sky? I really don't like it. It looks really unnatural and very distracting. It's a New Mexico sunset. It's sunrise. It's a New Mexico sunrise. That makes sense. <laughs> I do dig the vehicles they have, though. Uh, I like Jack's Jeep a lot, and I love the use of the uh, armored truck for everyone else. Um, the team suits up, heads inside, and I have written here, notable team member, uh, Catlin, played by Mark Boone Jr. But what do you think of their methods of clearing out the house? Okay, ignoring what you said to ruin the scene for me. Yes. It is very entertaining to watch. They go Extremely. in, they scour the building, they get into a bit of a brawl with the vampires, and then to do them in, they essentially like harpoon them with uh, Jack Crow's crossbow and they use a winch on the Jeep to pull them out into the sunlight in order to cause them to combust. It is visually a phenomenal way to start off the movie. If Action you don't pack. have a friend with you that ruins it for you. <laughs> but yeah, the guns, spears, crossbows, stakes, collecting and displaying the skulls of the burnt vampires on the hood of the Jeep. Uh, that, honestly, that's the count, right? Like, yeah, how many uh, were in the nest? Well, which it makes sense, right? How else are you going to keep a head count? Uh, very literal. I like it. <laughs> um, I, honestly, I would love. Can you imagine having a vampire skull in your home? What a great conversation piece. Um, but yeah, how this is even respond to that. Like, with a agreeing with me because be like that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, you'd also be like proving the existence of vampires. I walk so. into your home and you got a vampire skull, and I'm like, that's fake. Nope. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, 
from just a visual standpoint, watching them pull the vampires out into the sunlight and then combust, fantastic piece of cinema. It does look a little poor in that it clearly starts with their arms every time. So clearly that's how they set it up yeah. from like flaming forearms. Yeah, they don't like you'd think like all of them would combust, but this scene with the wench just drags you into the movie. <laughs> oh, that's a good one too. It really <laughs> does though. Uh, but how did I ruin this for you? So immediately you're discussing it. And w before I get into what you actually said, it's like this house is in the middle of nowhere. The sun is clearly up. And obviously the vampires are combustible. You're like, why don't they just burn the house down? Yeah. And then for the rest of the scene, I'm like, yeah. Either they stay inside and burn, or they come outside of the flaming house, see the sun, and burn. This seems like a much more effort-filled scene now. Yeah, and my note here just says, just burn the fucking house to the ground. Yeah. It's, as simple as, it's as simple as that, but I get that it kills any potential action scene. Yes. And it, it is a great opening scene, I have to say that. That's why I would think it would be better if instead of a single house in, like, New Mexico, it was almost like a derelict, like, town. Even if it's just like a, like a you know, what you would see in a Western, like, one row of housing. Because, like, yep. oh, they could duck and dive into different places, so we actually do need to scour it. Yeah, you actually need to hunt. Yeah, being just one house, you're like, yeah, it, it looks pretty dry. Just set it. Or, or if they had said something like the vampires had taken captives. We don't want to burn the house down because there could be humans alive in there. Yeah. They definitely need to throw something else into that environment because this is the easiest way to take care of that entire situation. Yes. Um, throughout the, the day, they're clearing the nest with Father Giovanni giving their last rites. Um, Jack's pissed that they cleared the whole house and didn't find the master vampire. And as night approaches, they pack up and drive off as a vampire's hands break through the ground close by. And I thought that was an amazing reveal. Yeah, and it's a genius thing for the master who knows that he's going to be hunted during the day. Mm -hmm. Who's going to find you if you're dug into the ground to sleep? You get the cover from the sun, but it's not a blatant marker like a house to, to find where you are. Now, my question is, Jack is upset that they don't find the master. How would they know... If they had a master, would he combust differently? I feel like the master is the strongest of the vampires in the nest. And I'm getting guessing... messed up by some of these just regular vampires. Yeah, because there's regular vampires and there's what goons and then leaders and then masters. They don't really explain the hierarchy of it, but yeah, I just I assume know. that the master would put up more of a fight. With more experience points, he probably would have leveled up more. There you, there you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the lack of finding the master vampire doesn't stop the team from partying their asses off at the Sun God Motel that night, though. You mentioned uh, the Sun God Motel name, and uh, you seem to really like it. I, it's a solid, obvious nod. No? That's a little heavy-handed, man. It's incredibly heavy-handed. It's great. <laughs> this movie is fucking heavy-handed. There's nothing subtle about this movie. Maybe. We'll see. As we okay. further uncover it, maybe. Uh, what do we get here? Sex workers, booze, drugs, you name it. 
uh, local police force is in on it too, because the sheriff's there and he says to Father Giovanni, I spent the last two weeks running whores and buying out liquor stores for this bunch. When the hell are they going to leave? Yeah, well, it goes to show how much the entity that they work for has of uh, influence and pull that they are actually getting the local police to do this for them, not just turn a blind eye, but actually do the legwork to get them prostitutes and alcohol. And I get that too. But if we're down to local police authority, knowing of the existence of vampires, how widespread is this and how many people actually know about their existence? Because it seems like if they're going this low level, probably a good portion of the global population are aware vampires exist. Or maybe just like local law enforcement. Mm. Uh, this is where we find out that the Vatican is paying teams of slayers to wipe out vampires. And I really do enjoy that story element. Um, because normally there's like so much secrecy about vampires existing. Um, when you're bringing the Vatican to like hire people to take care of it, I'm like, yeah, I, I could see them doing that. There's so much secrecy with the Vatican anyway. God knows what they're actually up to. And that, that was not an intended pun whatsoever. Good. Cause um, it was terrible. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't plan them out as well as you do. Actually, I, didn't I don't plan, plan them out. It's all natural, yeah. buddy. No, it's not. One mm-hmm. of the sex workers, Katrina takes a fancy to Jack. And for the longest time, I couldn't place where I knew this actor from, but it's Cheryl Lee. Uh, and she played Laura Palmer in twin peaks. Not that you've seen it. No, not, a, yeah. not a clue. Uh, Jack and Giovanni discuss where the master could be. Giovanni suggests maybe he fled. And, and Jack's response is, why would he run? It's not like he knew where we were. Not like he knew we were coming. And every, like from the very beginning, like the first time I saw this movie, I like, well, that's an immediate red flag. I, I guess vampires just don't go off on their own. No, like for me, it was immediately when I saw this in 98, I'm like, someone <laughs> tipped him off. Yeah, I and get then, that. Then, I know, and then for me, for the rest of the movie, I was trying to figure out who did it. And when you encounter or are introduced to a character later on in the movie, you're like, oh, fuck, of course it's that guy. But Katrina puts the moves on Jack, and he gives her the key to his room, then heads to the party room to grab more beers. And now there's a, an action that you and I both question the purpose of, and that's Anthony, played by Henry Kingy or Kingy, I, I don't really know. Throwing a lamp through the window. Yeah, it's just juvenile recklessness. Uh, oh, look, I'm going to vandalize the room. It's like, why? Yeah, he's the, he's the only one doing things like this. That's not even like, oh, they were in a fight and, you know, they were scuffling around, you know, you know, horse playing around or whatever. No, he just literally picks up <laughs> a lamp, throws it out the window and goes back to what he was doing. <laughs> he just picks it up and rips it out of the wall smashes it through the window and yeah like you say it goes just back to doing what he's doing yeah you're an asshole man like um an ominous figure approaches the motel eventually giving us a full reveal of vampire master valak uh played by thomas ian griffith as we said um katrina enters jack's room and is attacked by valak who seduces her and bites her in her thigh and can, i can have we just to say point, can we just point out how he's just like hovering up by the ceiling He's pinned against the ceiling in the corner, just waiting. Yeah, and as she walks in and the camera pans up, you're like, oof, that guy's a force. Yeah, he's terrifying. And he 
he uses a, a John Carpenter trick that we first see in Halloween. And it's the, like the focus on a character as like the villain slowly turns their head to one side. Like it's one of the creepiest things that Michael Myers does in Halloween. And I think Thomas Ian Griffith does it better in this movie. He is quite the terrifying villain. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody better cast. I know that's a massive statement, but I don't think I have. Uh, although I have one one critique here. The vampire fangs are way too long. It's not even a thing I noticed. <laughs> I, I just, I hate it. I hate it when they're so big. You're like, there's no way you're closing your mouth. It's just not going to happen. Maybe they're but, retractable. Well, obviously, but still, it just looks dumb. Uh, Catelyn decides to go to his room to get more beers for the party. But upon opening the door is met with Valak, who with one swipe of his arm splits Catelyn in two. Oh, man. That's it. Mark, Mark <laughs> now Green he's Jr. out of the movie? He's, he doesn't really stick a, stick around for that long in any movie he's in. <sighs> he's a, I like seeing him on screen, and that's all I get. I know. Like, when he popped on screen, both you and I cheered. And he was only on screen for what? He's been in the movie for seven minutes, maybe? It's like, this is one of the few times where I'm like, at least turn him into a vampire so we can see him some more. That would be great. I would love that. Uh, next, I've written, uh, what happens next can only be described as a slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. These it, guys didn't stand much of a chance. But then again, it's pretty safe to say they were all loaded out of their minds. Yeah, they were all coked up and drunk. Uh, but, like, Valak is loving it. He's smiling throughout, sometimes laughing at their attempts to kill him. Perfect. Uh, also, the reveal that Valak knows who Jack is, which confuses Crow. Again, adding an element of mystery to it. I love that, and I don't expect that from a vampire movie. You know what I like about this scene? So Crow comes in, most of the slaughter has already taken place, and he jumps for his crossbow and stabs himself in the shoulder with the, the bolt. It seems stupid, but I just love that it's not perfect. He's not this amazing combatant that won't make a mistake. Oh, he's fallible for sure. It just, if it makes it feel, relatively speaking, more real. This is a panic situation. You're just scrambling to get your crossbow. Yeah, you're going to make a mistake. Yeah. But, it, it, like, can you imagine being, like, walking into that room and seeing that go down? <laughs> like even like the the death of Father Giovanni is one of the most disturbing things I've seen. It definitely takes a certain type of character to not turn around and just book it out of there. <laughs> yeah, right. Which they ultimately do, but yeah. like at least they put up an effort first. Yeah, they do try and take a stand, but it's pointless. And Jack, it's actually Montoya that pulls him out of there. Like, yeah, yeah, Montoya grabs Jack to make the escape, and they find Katrina. And uh, take her with them as they speed off in a pickup truck. Although I don't know whose truck that is. Uh, anybody? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Any vehicle that is in that parking lot is now up for grabs. <laughs> Assuming it's one of the teams because the, we don't get like a shot of them trying to like. It could even be Montoya's because I, I assume that they didn't just travel there in their armored vehicles. They probably met up and. Yeah, I hope not. Up, that right? would be disgustingly warm. 
Yeah, so. Uh, but this leads to one of my favorite scenes. Uh, Valak flying after them and landing in the bed of the truck. Everything they get him to do, this character anyway, to do in the movie is scary and intimidating. He, he doesn't really seem weak at all. And there are times later on in the film towards the end where he does get hurt. But even him getting hurt is intimidating. Um, he, like here, he even takes a bullet to the face and falls off the back of the truck. But you know he's just fine. Yeah. Well, it cuts to sunrise uh, and Montoya almost rear ends a vehicle and the truck barrel rolls off of the road. Um, problem here, no seatbelts. Nobody's wearing one. But somehow everyone is fine. That That's what you focused on? Yes. It was a vampire that got shot in the face. I don't care about the vampire getting shot in the face. But you were bringing up the point where like Jack dives for his crossbow and impales himself on it. But there's a, a truck that rolls several times off road down into a ditch and everyone just kind of gets out fine. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, here, okay. Going back to the vampire getting shot in the face, that happens pretty much right before sunrise. So what's he doing now? He's hiding. Panic digging a new place to hide out for the day. Yeah, they never quite show how they do it. Can they just dive in, you know, like Scrooge McDuck style into a vat of coins? Like they just burrow in or does he actually have to dig that shit? I don't know because when they emerge and you'll see it happen later in the movie too, the ground is completely undisturbed above them. I don't know. So I don't know, it's a question I've always had about this movie that honestly I don't want an answer to because I just like it to remain a bit of a mystery. Um, Crow decides that he's going to use the uh, eventual psychic link that will form between Katrina and Valak to their advantage. Um, and on this rewatch, I'm now trying to pay attention to where this relationship that we get between Katrina and Montoya actually starts. It doesn't, it doesn't come from anywhere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, if they started it later in the movie, it would make sense because, well, anybody listening to this should have watched the movie already. It seems like it's super strong after she bites him. And that makes sense because now he's completely linked to her. But before that, it just seems thrown together with no reason. Uh, the three of them steal a car at a gas station. Uh, they're in a crazy hurry, but Jack still stops to take off his jacket and throw it at the back of the car before speeding off. Found that strange. Uh, they return to the motel and Jack's plan... What's Jack's plan here? Uh, you guys go hide out at a hotel. I will bury the bodies. Yeah. And Montoya freaks out about rule number seven. Never bury a dead team member by yourself. Why is that a rule? I don't know. Exactly. They don't really go into the backstory of how these rules were established or the team put together. They just exactly. reference random numbered rules at some point. Which adds nothing to the film. Uh, Jack decapitates the bodies, stakes them, burns the motel, and buries the heads in a trench. Uh, and we find out pretty quickly afterwards that the heads were found immediately. Immediately. They say on the news broadcast, immediately that, yeah, and the heads were found just a little while away. And I asked you when we were watching it, why is he separating the heads? Why even bother? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there, there's no real vampire killing rules explained here other than a stake to the heart and sunlight, but decapitation seems to be a thing as well. 
Yeah, but why I, take I, the I head know. somewhere it's, else? You're going to burn the place down anyway. Well, it's not like I they're going to be reanimated. Originally, when you asked me that, that, sorry? It's not like they're going to be reanimated at that point. Like, they're going to be severed and burnt to a crisp, so. I said that they hid the heads or that Jack buried the heads so they couldn't identify them through dental records. So show Jack and then try and figure out why all these guys to rip the teeth out and put them somewhere. Yeah, I mean you could do that too. I don't know. I was just coming up with an idea. All right, but we do get that classic walk away from an explosion shot, which we don't need. I guess it's an attempt to make Jack look more badass, which he did you, not look. You don't earlier when he was staking the corpses because it looked like he had never used a hammer and stake before. And you can't make, uh, you can't make James Woods look like a badass. You can make him look like an asshole and you can make him look like a piece of shit, but he's never going to be a badass. Attempt to. (laughs) But I had a real problem with when he was dealing with the corpses and he was like hammering stakes into uh, what we assume is their hearts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there is no power behind that swing. And it doesn't even look like it's connecting. I'm like, it's off camera. Put a watermelon there or something and have them actually hit it. Like, what is this? Yep. It's terrible. Maybe one of the worst, worst pieces of imagery in this entire movie. Yeah, it, it, it really is bad. It does stand out. Uh, something else that stood out, though, and I don't know if you questioned this or not, but who's running the motel and where did they go? They're slaughtered. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain that Valak leaves no potential witnesses. Got them first. Yeah, he got everybody. He uh, got people Montoya. in the other rooms if there were people in the other rooms. Yeah, because Valak's a fucking badass. <laughs> you don't need him walking away from an explosion <laughs> to look like a badass. Explosions walk away from him. <laughs> okay, settle down. Uh, Montoya gets a room at the Plaza Hotel and delivers one of my favorite lines of the movie. Oh, can I guess? It's when the uh, the attendant asks, "Is that your girlfriend?" Yeah, and he replies with, "No, it's my fucking mother." Yeah, no, yeah, it's my that- fucking mother. <laughs> It's just the the follow up to. There's no break in between the sentences. It's no, it's my fucking mother. Give me the key. Yeah, he's got no time for this guy's shit. <laughs> and he's like, "How much is a room? Uh, it's uh three seventy five for the week and twenty five. Yeah. Give me the total, man. I'm busy." I, I love that too. He's like, "Yeah, well, h- how much for a couple of days? Well, it's uh three seventy five for the week, and uh, uh, oh, it's uh, twenty five dollars for cable." He's like, just give me the total. And then he pauses. He's like, uh, $400. Like, yeah, it took you that long. <laughs> it took that long. Uh, Jack makes a phone call to get immediate support and a pickup team. And next is where Montoya sees news coverage of the massacre at the Sun God. <laughs> and-, <laughs> and all of Jack's work that was supposedly breaking rule nine is just like, yeah, they were all found. The heads were down the road. It's like, what were you doing? <laughs> yeah, he made a mess messier somehow. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> um, a priest bandages up Jack at a nearby church. Uh, I never really thought about this before, but I really enjoy seeing how this is a global network uh, trying to take out the vampires. Like, all of the churches are in on this together. Like, the in real life, they're all in it together in other areas 
but like trying to take out vampires to like patching up slayers who are injured doesn't matter who they are or where they're from. It, I I like that global war against the undead. Yeah, I'd like to cool. see more focus on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valak hitches a ride atop a train. Now we talked about this, and I still find it kind of stupid because the man can fly, and how does he know the train's going in the right direction? Okay, so you can run, but sometimes you get a ride in a car. I think it's really just that, yes, he can fly, but he wants to conserve some energy. And if at any point he thinks that the train is going in a direction that he doesn't want to, he can just jump off and fly. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hours and hours after he's on the train, he realizes he's going in the opposite direction? He, he dozes off. Oh, I missed my stop. He wakes up. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's many different points where you could take this movie into a, a much more comedic direction. Because it, it's pretty fucking goofy at times. I'm glad that they go like head on into the action genre, though. Yeah, they don't, they don't go comedy. Anyway, we were talking about the train. We're getting off track here. <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> Jack visits Cardinal Alba, where he's introduced to Father Adam. Uh, Jack describes that what happened to, to his team, and we also learn that Valak is unlike any other vampire that Jack has crossed before, making him wonder if this vampire is the one that they've been looking for this entire time. They also reveal the information. I don't know if you were, had it in your notes or were going to that. What I oh, assume yeah. is like the senior, the more like the best slaying team or whatever, was completely decimated in germany uh three three other teams oh yeah so like they've they're just being slaughtered left and right um but at one of the sites i like this a lot at one of the sites they found a portrait of valak from the 14th century with the word celebrate on it and then we get a bit of a backstory to the valak character which makes him even more badass uh that he was a priest who turned against the church and rallied bohemians to fight for his cause but he was inevitably captured, tried for heresy, and burnt at the stake. Uh, after the death, uh, there were reports of people seeing him walking around at night and that he was drinking the blood of the living. So they dug up his casket and opened it, and it was empty. So this makes him uh, the first vampire. And I love the fact that the very first vampire was a murdered priest, because I've never seen that in a movie before. I know it's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. But why couldn't they have just tossed in that they checked his grave three days later just to further tie it with, like, the the religious side of it? Mm-hmm. That would have been great. That yeah. would have been fantastic. And I don't know if you, you picked up on this, though. Um, they say you were the only one who faced Valak and survived. But that's not true because Montoya was there also. And when Jack calls the church for the pickup team, he says they're all dead. Doesn't mention that Montoya made it. So to the church and everyone else, Montoya's dead. Yeah, I never thought so about that. So they're trying to build up yeah. this big thing like, yeah, like Jack's the only survivor who's ever faced Valak. But like, no, it's Montoya. And Montoya is quite a prominent and helpful character throughout the entire film. So I... I 
okay, there are two sequels to this movie, and I kind of wish that character went into at least one of the sequels. Um, I didn't Jack know there were sequels to this movie. Yeah, second one, uh, Vampires Los Mertos, starring John Bon Jovi. Shut up. <laughs> no, seriously, it does. Stop it. Uh, Jack wants to continue the hunt, but is told that the Vatican wants him to return to Monterey with Father Adam and rebuild his team. Um, one element that they, they touched on, but never really explained, um, was that Valak is the first vampire and was created by the Catholic Church, which is awesome. But they don't really get into how until later. And I really wanted that story now because I was thinking about that the entire time up until they eventually explained it later on which means I wasn't really paying attention to part of the movie until my rewatch. Okay. Did you ever, did you ever wonder about that? Cause that's no. a fucking bomb of a story plot that they just don't address. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jack questions how Valak knows his name and gets no response. Then leaves Cardinal Alba tells father Adam to stay close. Very conspicuous. Yeah, right? Like I said, as soon as he pops up on screen, you're like, oh, it's that fucking guy. He did it. <laughs> there's there's no like, there's no way anybody watching this would think otherwise. Uh, back at the hotel, Montoya brings Katrina food to slow the infection. And I get why she's bound to the bed, but why is she naked? Hey, man, don't kink shame Montoya. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though. At least cover with the blankets or something. He does after when they start talking. So apparently he can, again, okay, he undressed her to, to clean her up, possibly even to check for the bite marks, things like that. Maybe there's yeah. a protocol. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it makes sense to tie her to the bed. But if later you're going to cover her with a blanket to have a conversation with her, maybe just cover her before you leave. <laughs> yeah, right. But he gives her the rundown of what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Cut to the armored uh, truck on the road where Father Adams, or Father Adam, sorry, gives us Jack's backstory. Vampires bit his parents, and the Catholic Church raised him to be their master slayer. I don't care for that story at all. And Jack immediately throws a tantrum and beats the shit out of Adam, demanding to know who set them up. And Adam denies knowing anything. Well, I mean, Jack is clearly on the same page as you. He knows that there's something amiss. Yeah. It just seems like overkill, though. <laughs> Kicks the shit out of that priest. I mean, it, I mean, we find out that he is holding back information, but it, it's a lot at once. Uh, but then they he settles down almost immediately after Adam denies knowing anything. And he just shows Adam a map of the vampire attacks, which reveals the vampires are searching for something because of a spiral outward pattern they're traveling in. And Jack believes it to be... Uh, a cross that will allow them to walk around in sunlight, but has that already been divulged, that information? No, he just knew it. That's where they tell us it. That's where they tell us it. Yep. Alright. Uh, another annoying element to Jack's character are the fucking dick jokes. Yeah, it's bad. It makes his character less likable. Which it's is so stupid because he just had this scene where he threatens the priest, beats the shit out of him, takes, I guess, a very quick turn and accepts that he doesn't know, reveals the entire plan and his theory on this terrible like outcome, and then 
Hey, when I was kicking your ass back there, did you get a chubby? Did you get a little wood, Padre? What is, what is this? Terrible is what it is. Yeah. It's just bad writing. Yeah. And it comes up again. Yeah, it's not the first time. No. They, they, they felt that they nailed it so well that later on they have to do a callback to it. It's like, no, no, you shouldn't have done it the first time. Don't do it a second time. You know what I'm wondering? Um, when they when they made this movie, Carpenter filmed the scripted scene and then would film one where he allowed James Woods to improvise. I'm wondering if this is one of those improvisations. And he's like, oh, I, I guess I'll put it in. Maybe padding out the runtime because it's not that long at what, an hour 47, hour 48. I don't know. It's just but terrible. It's just, I don't takes, care it's whose terrible. idea it, takes it was. Like, why you know would you take Let's a second and assess the movie that you're making? This doesn't fit. No, and this is what I'm saying. This is what you'd use if you were taking it in that comedic direction. And even then, it's not fucking funny. No, no, no. But moving on, we spent way too much time on talking about J- James Wood's dick jokes. <laughs> uh, Katrina's psychic link to Valak begins, and she has a vision of a priest at a church. Uh, I have to say, Daniel Baldwin's acting here is on point. I don't remember him ever being this good, but the lines I we're talking about the writing being in anything else ever. So that's fine. You probably haven't seen it, or you just thought it was Alec Baldwin. <sighs> I don't know. They're all the same. <laughs> the The writing here again, though, is so so bad. The fact that he acts it well is. What I'm saying, I, I I think he's doing a great job. There's a line of dialogue where Katrina asks, like, basically, why doesn't anybody know that vampires exist? They don't want to know. Because nobody wants to know. Like, bullshit. I would want to know about the possibility of vampires existing. Very much. If that was plausible, I would like to know so I could take the steps to protect myself. And I sat there thinking, like, because nobody wants to know. That is so fucking stupid and the more i thought about it the angrier i got so i had to move on because that one line almost made me dislike this entire film but moving on yes (laughs) did i interrupt you no i was just sighing with exasperation (laughs) uh katrina has another vision this time of alec killing a cleaning lady in the church and attacking the priest um problem here sandro okay (laughs) <laughs> how long do you think it's been since the because nobody wants to know conversation 30 seconds maybe Montoya's already out cold uh, there's another one like that yeah he, well he was adamant about her staying in his line of sight and then he just curls up and passes out in less than a minute is this when she goes to get changed in the bathroom yeah yeah he's asleep on that chair and it's like, it looks like it's been two minutes. Yeah. It it doesn't make any sense for his character to do that. And he, the next scene is kind of cool. Though, the next part of the scene, he, he wakes up and grabs her as she's about to jump to her death from the window ledge. You were pretty stoked on how this was filmed. This is actually one of my favorite scenes. Um, and I, I didn't pick it for my award for favorite scene. Although I will say right now it was a heavy contender. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of power in this scene. So earlier they have the conversation 
where he essentially has to tell Katrina, like, you're done, right? Like, you're going to become a vampire and we can't, like, you're already dead, essentially. And here's this character that's now taken a few minutes to assess that, maybe hours. I don't know how time is passing here and wants to just end it. Like she just, she wants none of this becoming a vampire and goes out onto the ledge. Montoya goes to grab her. And, you know, you see this in a lot of movies where they save the person from jumping off a ledge or whatever. And everything's perfect. Everything is clear cut. There's no, there's no bumps in the road. But in this situation, he has to like smash the window that's behind them to have enough room for them to fall back into the building because this isn't a graceful thing. He just essentially grabs her, wraps her up and throws his weight back. And it is just like perfectly done for a scene where somebody is stopping someone from jumping off a ledge. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's filmed so well. But not only is it filmed well and is a good scene, it makes you care about Montoya more than you care about Crow. In just this one scene, they turn it around. And like for me anyway, from this point on, I'm cheering for Montoya and I don't give a shit about Jack Crow. My issue with this scene is that right after, knowing that she's turning into a vampire, he shows her an open wound and says, look what you did. And then she bites it. Like, what did he expect was going to happen? Well, I love that that is explained away in the fact that this character has a crazy temper. And like, after she bites his arm, he goes off the deep end. Yeah, but it's just, I've talked about this in vampire and zombie movies before. We're living in this, at least these characters are living in this universe where they've been hunting vampires for a very long time. They're very well like experienced in it. And even with a short temper, you would think that the first hit reaction would be to like get the bloody wound away from her. Well, you have to keep in mind, he's not the one that stakes the vampires. He operates the winch. He never has direct like one-on-one combat with a vampire. I still think like there's, there is, you would think so. There's a level of knowledge there. Well, that level of knowledge comes from us as the film viewer who has seen vampire movies before. Well, then this dude wouldn't have made it very far. No. And maybe that's why he's always stuck out in direct sunlight operating a winch on the front of a Jeep. But I don't know. Like he, like I said, though, he freaks the fuck out, calls her every name in the book, and then knocks her out, and then cauterizes the wound with a Zippo. Yeah, that's... Mm. And he does it again later, but it's much worse than a Zippo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy's got to do some very interesting field first aid. Like, Kat, uh, Katrina's bitten very early into the movie and is slowly transforming. But I don't think anybody goes through more punishment than Montoya. No. No, he's, no. he's a bit of a punching he's bag in this movie. Beat to shit throughout the entire film. Um, Jack arrives and Montoya relays the events of the night, uh, leaving out the fact that he was bitten, just admitting that he broke the window and was cut by the glass. Um, now I guess we get a bit of Jack's temper again, his confrontation with father Adam. Do you remember this? Where he hits him with a phone. 
the phone receiver right in the face and the sound that thing makes, you would expect him to have a broken nose. And he does it because Jack, he just denies following orders from the church and how he has to uh, reform his team in Monterey because he's going to go after Valak. It's, I'm sorry. I'm sure he knows that he doesn't have the time to reassemble a team. There's something no. greater going on, and obviously sending him to, to build a team is a diversion tactic, as we will later find out. Mm-hmm. But he's not stupid enough to think that, oh, yeah, we got all the time in the world to go <laughs> and do this. Yeah. No, I, I guess you're right with that. Um, Katrina links at Valak again, uh, who, uh, who gets the priest to point out a specific spot on a map, then decapitates the priest. Uh, she sees a sign reading San Miguel and the Slayers head out. Um, I kind of enjoy the constant return to the psychic link to try and figure out where Valak is. Um, cause otherwise, I mean, they, he's just gone and they have no way of finding out where he is. So it's a really good storytelling element that I'm going to have to say is a decent bit of writing. I'm not going to say that a lot about this movie. Because then we get like the next fucking scene, man. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be there. Um, investigating the church in San Miguel, they don't need to be there. The, like they already know that the woman is dead in the church and that the priest is missing. Why show us yeah. again? And they have the psychic link. Well, the information from the psychic link of the map was circled. I mean, whether they see it in the vision or not, that the priest ultimately gets decapitated by Valak, it's like, hey, you can kind of assume. Yeah. They don't They don't need to do that. No. And like I said, it, the, it goes down to the, the screen. Who fucking wrote this movie? Don Jacoby wrote the script. Uh, I should say it's based off of the book Vampires by John Stakely. But uh, altered heavily. And I'm going to read that book again soon and just see how much was changed because I remember it being very different. Um... Sweet scene, though, of Valak and seven other masters rising from the earth. Uh, looks fantastic, in my opinion. But again, I can't help but wonder who buried them. <laughs> Where did they... It, like The masters are just there now? Yeah, I was curious about that, too. Like, where do they come from? And are we... I, I'm sure it says, and I just missed it. Who are we led to believe killed the other teams of Slayers? Uh, Valak. In Germany? Yes. Two days prior to when the movie started. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. Nope. They could have even just said last week. Yeah. Or a month ago. Um, yeah, they, they basically, sorry, the, the, the masters walked to a missionary, which is a spot on the map that the priest had pointed to. Uh, Jack assaults Father Adam again. Why? Third time. Third time. And here we find out that Valak is looking for a specific cross. But we knew that already, yet this is somehow new information. There's a lot of pointless rehashing in this movie. There really is. And not even like it's a very distant time from when you first hear it. Like, we just figured this shit out. Yeah. I I do like that we get a bit more information, though, uh, of like the church determined that Valak was possessed. 
and tried to perform a forbidden type of exorcism on him using the cross. Uh, but it went south and turned into an inverse exorcism so that Valak's body died, but the possessed soul remained within it. Contrived, yes. But I, I finally, some interesting alternative vampire lore. I love it. Okay. I, you don't like that? It, it's good. All right, let's in hear. Premise, what, what's your problem? What, it's not well thought out. Like they were gonna do this ritual and they only did part of it, and that somehow created a worse situation. That's just stupid. Continue. I think That's, it's fucking great. Just it needs fine tuning. It just it's dumb. Yeah, a lot of this movie needs fine tuning. It does feel rushed. But like, and like even Harvard- watching it, you're like, okay, so Valak was this priest that turned bad and was fighting against them. Why would they try an exorcism on him? Yeah, I know. It just says they determined that he was possessed. They're, people were fucking stupid in the 14th century, man. Yeah. People, people just, are fucking stupid now. Yeah, fine. Whatever. I'm just going to move on at this point. Wow. You're not having fun with this at all. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work for <laughs> me. All right. It just doesn't. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the vampires slaughter the monks and obtain the cross. And we kind of like rapid fire away through the rest of the movie. Jack and crew arrive at the church. Father Adam explains the point of getting the cross is to finish the exorcism, allowing him to survive direct sunlight. So and the original exorcism, if completed properly, would have created a daytime vampire. Yep. Okay. He didn't say that they, what they were doing is right. He admits that they didn't know what they were doing. They were doing a, a forbidden type of exorcism. Whatever. <laughs> you, you're so stuck on the smallest things. <laughs> That's a small thing. <laughs> it's a fucking oh, tiny yeah. thing. In oh, the okay, grand scheme of this boy. entire fucking... Oh, okay, that, oh, my seatbelts are for safety. Come on. But <laughs> this is great. You have to allow some plot holes like this. Because this is a story. This is a fucking fantastic origin story that we have not seen before. Yes, it's not perfect. But you have to allow for some some problems with it just to appreciate the whole. Like you, you don't you don't get that, man. That would have been better off, like if they had just said he died on like a sacrificial grounds or something, and then we don't. Oh, know you're, why. that's so fucking boring. I don't care. Have fun. Well, I do care, and that's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> that's why this fucking movie exists. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Anyway. <clears throat> They head to Santiago, where they find the town abandoned, of uh, humans anyway. Uh, the vampires are holed up in a local prison, which is a fantastic idea. Um, now we're getting more bonding between Montoya and Katrina. Uh, and I'm saying now this makes sense to me much more so now because I would assume they're becoming linked. Um, they enter the prison and use Father Adam as bait slowly luring up vampires one by one. And do you care to explain their elevator method? Cause it seems stupid as fuck to me. I can't explain it. And like they call the elevator and I guess he's supposed to lure a vampire to follow so that he can then climb through. But like, yeah, cause they're all located in the basement. How is that going to work? Like, and then Jack is getting all upset that, um, Father Adam is is 
like exiting the elevator before. And it's like, I don't understand this plan. Yeah. He's just trying to get like draw a vampire, sorry, into the elevator to then bring the elevator back up to ground level so they can be speared or or hit with a crossbow bolt and dragged out into the sunlight. Like their original method of killing them. Yeah. But if it, do, do they not have access to like incendiary grenades? Shut up, Sandro. I hate incendiary grenades. Oh, I mean, not regular grenades that just exploded to fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. But it just, it's a, such a stupid method. Like, d- destroy the cable holding up the elevator, let it fall to the ground, and let them come out. This is their whole plan relies on one vampire coming up at a time, but there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't come up in a group. Well, even then they could make a break for the daylight. If you just waited for them to come up, they're not going to come out of there until it's nighttime. And then you're pretty much fucked. I don't know why they would follow to father Adam at that point either. Well, to eat him. Well, yeah, I get that, but it's like, and that's, that's the, that's a problem here too. That the only vampires makes aren't thinking this is a trap. This guy just came down the elevator and went back up. How exactly. Don't that is what, this is what I'm saying. That is a trick that would work for like the... Okay, actually, wait, yeah. That does work in the scenario. I was thinking that it was just the masters who were down there, but it's like over 30 new vampires who are just goons. So I'd see the goons going for it, but not the masters. Um, but yeah, the second one... Okay, the first one works. The second one... How the fuck, when the the vampire, when she's stuck in the elevator, just explodes the doors open? And they splinter off going everywhere. What kind of power is this that we haven't seen before? I don't know. I don't like the ending of this movie at all, if you yeah. can't tell. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not earth shattering by any means. <laughs> I refuse to believe that a jumping vampire can be thrown backwards by a crossbow bolt hitting midair. It's a very heavy crossbow bolt. I guess. Um, the winch cable snaps. Montoya reties it, and Jack repeatedly shoots the vampire in the face, which I thought was oddly humorous. But again, I don't want to be laughing at this point. I want this to be a serious vampire hunting film. Well, like Jack's started being dragged off. with him. So, yeah. or him or her? I can't remember. Her. At this point, her. And it's like, if he doesn't get off of her, he's going to get combusted into flames with her. Yeah, that's something that we've never really tackled. What happens if you're on top of a vampire as it explodes? Well, like, you'll suffer anything that you would if you make contact with fire, right? Exactly. He does not want to be on top of her when she combusts. Yeah. Well, the sun sets and the hunt has to be stopped. Of course, the vampires emerge and apprehend Jack with ease. Father Adam hides in a convenience store. Uh, Katrina goes full vampire and feeds on Montoya. Fine. I'm okay with that. A bound Jack awakes to Cardinal Alba admitting he sided with the vampires because who didn't see that coming? I didn't. Uh, I had no clue. I was shocked. Yeah, I really thought this guy was going to save them in the end. Yeah. (laughs) And his reasoning is pitiful. Yeah, he's getting older and he doesn't want to die. Oh, so he's going to help so that he can become a vampire. Yeah, 
is going to finish the exorcism using Jack's blood. Uh, and here we're supposed to kind of rally behind our quote hero, right? And Jack tries to get Valak to untie him and fight. And I don't know how we're supposed to get behind our hero when he calls Valak a pole smoking fashion victim. The fact of the matter is Valak is not going to do that. As they yeah. just said, they need his blood for the sacrifice. Valak is not going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll let you go and just beat the shit out of you and then ruin the entire ritual. Like, <laughs> Exactly. We're not all as stupid as you, Jack. He is not likable whatsoever. No. Even when he's trying to be charming, he, he just comes across as being a complete asshole. Oh, he's a complete asshole. He doesn't come across as a complete asshole. He is a complete asshole. He is. Asshole. Yeah, you're right. He is. I honestly feel like this is what James Woods is like in real life. Uh, Katrina shows up covered in Montoya's blood and Jack, well, I should say James Woods acting here quite well conveys that Jack feels truly alone now. But of course, Montoya is get that dead. impression. <laughs> oh no, I did totally. I was like, this is the one bit of good acting that Woods does in this movie. Oh, I saw it and I'm like, does he even give a shit? Oh, oh, come on. Really? Barely. How did we see like such different things? It's like, yeah, oh shit, he's gone. That lowers my chance of winning, not I lost my <laughs> right-hand man and friend. Or if he has friends, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, it goes to show later on in the movie that he does truly care uh, about his friend, about Montoya. Yeah, which seemed out of place at the time. It, see, it didn't to me. <laughs> we got very different impressions of their relationship. Yeah, that's weird. How does that happen? <clears throat> I don't know. But Montoya's not dead, Sandro. No, he's not. Because he still has more wounds to cauterize. <laughs> Fires off a shotgun. So a machine gun. Was it machine gun? Yeah, it was a submachine gun. Okay. Fires off a machine gun so that the metal gets very hot and then jabs it against his uh, neck to cauterize it. Montoya's a fucking badass, man. Why is he not the main character? I mean, he's still kind of hard to root for. With his, easier to root for but, than Jack. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. This guy is basically like a, a film noir hero. Fallible for sure. Definitely has his issues, but you can't help but kind of cheer for him. Um, You were talking about the ritual, the exorcism. And how you didn't like it, and how the whole point was to like, well, not the their point, but what we would have done is allowed a vampire to walk during sunlight. I like that the exorcism has to take place during sunrise, and I think it's it's not because of this movie. I think it's because of a movie that came afterwards, and then me rewatching this one. Because have you seen Dracula two thousand? Mm, I did, but come on, okay, uh, it. It reminds me of the explanation of Dracula's existence from Dracula 2000. Because in that movie, uh, spoiler for the end of Dracula 2000, anybody, uh, it's revealed that Dracula is actually Judas, who tried to hang himself out of guilt for you know, betraying Jesus. So he hangs himself from a, a tree branch um, 
he's on the brink of death, but the tree burn or the tree limb snaps just as the sun is rising. So he's forever stuck in like, I guess eternal darkness, never setting foot in the sunlight. And I think in my mind, I combined these two stories. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty badass. And now just looking at this one on its own, it's, it's rather lackluster. I love how it's like a ritual that they've never actually done successfully. That's and a good point. They just how know do they know what the outcome would be? Yeah. And if it happens at sunrise and it doesn't work, well, all your vampires are standing in the sun. <laughs> Can you imagine that's how the movie ends? <laughs> they successfully killed Jack, <laughs> finished the ritual, and everyone just burst into flames. Roll credits. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Honestly, I would too. It would be a, a such a swerve out of nowhere. I'd be like, okay. I mean, it's original. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. You wanted originality. Uh, what I don't care for is Jack being tied to a cross amid a pile of timber. Uh, Father Adam shoots and kills Alba just as he's about to light the pyre. Valak tries to force Adam to finish the ritual and Montoya arrives in time to shoot the cross with the crossbow and tow the restrained Jack away from the flames. It's a little much. So did they say that it just needed a sacrifice or his blood sacrifice? His blood sacrifice. The, the, oh God, what's the term they used? Uh, the blood of a uh, crusader. So I guess it's okay if this blood just gets burnt. I don't know. In his I, body? They don't need to actually extract any of the blood in any way? I I feel like they did, though. I feel like there was some blood in a cup at some point. Okay. I I could be making this up, though. I honestly can't even remember to tell you. I watched <laughs> it twice, and I can't remember to tell you. Do you remember uh, when that cross hits the ground? After Montoya snags it. I remember saying when we were watching it, what if that cross landed on the other side? It just drags <laughs> Jack Crow face down into the ground. <laughs> and that finishes the ritual. because it's <laughs> <laughs> But not, not even that. If you look at that scene again, yeah. it's obviously a dummy tied to the cross. Oh yeah, of course. But the way that thing bounces, its neck is like broken four times over. <laughs> so there's no fucking way that Jack survives this <laughs> rescue attempt. Yeah, so he pulls the cross down. That kills him, finishes the ritual. The ritual yep. doesn't work. All the vampires die. Yeah. It's great. Imagine that ending. <laughs> I would love that ending now because this the ending we get, I already said it's terrible. It's pretty shit, yeah. Uh, but now free, Jack, Montoya, and Adam kill a good number of the vampires before Jack and Valak have their final showdown. And yeah, it's a standard back and forth that ends with Valak being impaled with the cross and exploding after getting caught in direct sunlight. It's such a cheap way to end it. I've never cheered for the villain more. I know. <laughs> and even him, book. like trying to reach the cross through the sunbeams and like screaming in agony, but still trying to get it. Like nobody else in the movie committed to their character. Like Thomas Ian Griffith did. I'll take your silence as agreement. Uh, okay. I agree. I mean, well, maybe, maybe Daniel Baldwin. 
Uh, anyway, Jack, now knowing Montoya has been bitten, is ready to kill him and Katrina. Um, but when Montoya reveals that he was bitten two days prior, Jack agrees to give him a two-day head start. I didn't get that logic. It's just being a friend. He's like, you were bitten and let me live two days. Like, you didn't attack me or anything. We've been around each other for two days and you did not attack. So I will also not attack for two days. And that's what I'm saying. Like they were, they really were friends. And that's how I saw, like, that's why I believe that emotion I saw in his face as he was tied up and sees Katrina coming covered in Montoya's blood. It's like, holy fuck, Montoya's dead. But maybe I was just too into the movie. I mean, I was enjoying it. Uh, Montoya and Katrina enter the armored truck and head for the Mexican border while Jack and Adam wipe out the rest of the vampires hiding in the town. And this is where we get the callback to the dick joke. More dick jokes, which ruin an already rough ending. Uh, and we fade to black and roll credits. Um, have we covered a movie that started off so well and ended so weak? Possibly. I don't remember. I can't remember it. But this is... It's just a bad ending. Mm-hmm. It's a complete letdown. I'm starting to think you don't like this movie at all. Guess we'll find out. I guess we will. But first, let's go to uh, the numbers. Yes, sir. Uh, guess that budget. Uh, John Carpenter, seven, late 90s. 17 million. Close. It was 20. Okay. All right. Not far off. Uh, domestic box office. Domestic or total? What are you doing with me here now? I'm doing domestic. 30. 20.3. Okay. So, so it was a massive failure in North, in like North America. Okay. Uh, apparently it was a massive hit overseas, uh, especially in Japan. And the home video sales brought in another $42 million. All so right, so it, you, come it, on, man. You're throwing these numbers. You're changing up the... It, it made a lot of money. No wonder it had some direct-to-DVD sequels. Uh, as far as reviews go, IMDb, I think those people liked it a lot more than you did. They had a 7.4? 6.1. Okay. Uh, much lower for Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, guess at the critics number? 40. 42. Okay. Audience? 48. 47. All right. So yeah, pretty much spot on there. Uh, this movie is not well liked. No, it's not. Um, It is by me, though. Yes. Uh, we knew that going into the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, why? Uh, okay, before we get into awards, why did you pick this one? I already told you. Yeah, but... Is it just because it's something you had seen before and you wanted to see like Thomas Ian Griffith because of Cobra Kai? It It had nothing to do with me having seen it before. But did it have anything to do with what I just said? I was not listening because I was talking. Exactly. Or was it just because of Thomas Ian Griffith? It's entirely that. You mentioned him in this role of Valak when we were watching Cobra Kai and that statement alone just piqued my curiosity and if i'm not mistaken when we were watching 
Cobra Kai season five, before I even revealed to you that we were doing this movie, you brought up a picture of him as Valak on your phone as we were watching Cobra Kai. Sure did. Yeah. That's entirely why. It had nothing to do with Ultimate Vampire. Had I seen it before or not. Well, let's uh, hop into the awards there. Sure thing. You lead us off with least favorite character or performance. Jack Crow. Okie dokie. Why? He's just detestable. There's no reason to like him whatsoever. Having him as a lead and not giving the audience any reason to root for him. Why the fuck would you do that? Immediately you're alienating your audience because you're forcing them to root for somebody that they just don't care about. So you're going to lose their interest. Yeah. It wasn't the worst performance, not the worst acting for sure. It's just least favorite character. It's, it confuses me why Carpenter would allow this to happen. You? We all make mistakes. I went with Cheryl Lee as Katrina. It's a pretty rough character. The character didn't even bother me that much. It was the acting. And that could very much be attributed to direction because most of her performance was stare off as if you're having a vision and try to convey the right emotion. Like it just, it was pretty bad. It was terrible. Why am I watching this? Like, like she was a more likable character to me than Jack Crow, but the performance was just like, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this performance. What's your least favorite character though? Jack Crow. Okay. Just curious. I just said that. No, you said she was more likable than Jack Crow. I didn't know that he was your least favorite. I apologize. Yes. Jack Crow was my least favorite character. He's not a likable protagonist. I don't know how many movies we have to cover where we don't like the main protagonist. It happens a lot, doesn't it? It happens a lot. And it makes it really hard to root for the the good guys, air quotes, because they suck. Because they're not that good. Yeah. And how many of those movies where there was a shitty protagonist... Was their sidekick a much better character? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is that what we're leading into with favorite character? <sighs> this is a tough one, dude. I, I, really, I agree. This is a really tough one. Because Daniel Baldwin was by far the best performance in this movie to me. I did not expect it. Even <laughs> right? Both even remotely going into it, how good of a character, how much emotion he could convey. Really, really just surprised. I can't even say it any other way at how good he was. I didn't pick him. Because of my bias, I went with Thomas Ian Griffith as valid. Not that he's not, you know, a suitable pick. But my issue with Valak, and the reason that I actually even have issues with myself picking it, but I'm going to do it anyway, is because he needed more lines. Yes, I actually have that written down. He was an amazing presence. He was an imposing figure, but he barely talks. And when he does, you're like, there's something there. Why are you restraining it? Definitely should have been given more lines, more screen time. A very, very 
commanding performance? So the correct answer to me is Daniel Baldwin as Montoya, but my official answer <laughs> is Thomas Ian Griffith as Valak. And I know how that sounds, but I don't care. I'm right there with you, man. I have favorite character, Valak, played by Thomas Ian Griffith, runner-up Montoya, Daniel Baldwin. Interchangeable. But to me, Valak just slightly wins. But yeah, Daniel Baldwin did such a great job with the Montoya character. Yeah. And I can't, I, I can't even imagine Alec Baldwin doing nearly as good, when even though I started, think he's a better actor. When we started watching the movie and we saw Daniel Baldwin for the first time outside with the Jeep with the winch, I was like, this is going to be a train wreck. And then <laughs> he shut me up. His performance from like the, the word go is just phenomenal. Yeah, he's really good. I, I don't think enough people understand that Daniel Baldwin is a pretty fucking good actor. All right. So what did you have for your favorite or most memorable line? My most memorable line <clears throat> is just two words. Okay. And, and that is at the slaughter at the Sun God Motel when Valak sees Jack and just utters the name Jack Crow. The way he says it is the first thing I think of when anybody mentions this movie. It like the, the way he delivers that name and the expression on his face are fucking terrifying to me. It's okay. like forever burned into my brain. I love it. It's so good. Okay. I know, I know not like a great zinger of a line or anything, but it's just, it just, it speaks to that presence that I keep referencing with Thomas yeah. Ian Griffith. Like he just commands your attention and can make something out of nothing. Yeah. You? So my line is a little bit lengthy. So bear with me. And it's there's a part joke, of it. Isn't it? Pardon? It's a dick joke, isn't it? No, not a chance. <laughs> Although there is a part of it that I don't actually even want to read, but it's part of the line, so I'm going to. Okay. The reason that I'm going to pick this line is because that I think that this line or paragraph, whatever you want to call it, perfectly epitomizes both what is fantastic about this movie and also what is absolutely terrible about this movie at the exact same time. Interesting. All right. So it is Jack Crow talking to Father Adam. Asks Adam if he's ever seen a vampire before. Mm. And he says, in response to Adam telling him he hasn't, no? Well, first of all, they're not romantic. It's not like they're a bunch of fucking fags hopping around in rented formal wear and seducing everyone in sight with cheesy Euro trash accents. All right. Forget whatever you've seen in the movies. Yeah. This perfectly, perfectly displays the problems and benefits of this movie. They went with a completely original uh, uh, style, origin, just their take on vampires, minus some of the necessary staples like sunlight and flight and biting yeah. people. And they made their own 
But that also opened the door for them to mess up a lot of their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that. Yeah, that's a solid, solid pick, man. Um, Going into a memorable scene. Okay, so I've already said it. Very heavy contender was the, the scene where Montoya saves Katrina from jumping off the ledge. Yeah. Ultimately, though, I had to go with a, a scene that was just flat out super entertaining as a first time or at least fresh viewer who doesn't remember anything from it. Mm-hmm. That started the movie off strong, was a fantastic view from a cinematic standpoint, and just really got you in the movie. And it was the first time that they drag a vampire into the sun, and she grabs for something in the house. I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. Um, could have just been a piece of debris or something. And Crow has to shoot her hand off to essentially dislodge her so that she can get pulled into the sunlight. And then yep. you see for the first time the combustion. It is phenomenally done. Even even seeing that it's always the forearms that go up first. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It is just... It, man, if, if you didn't ruin the beginning for me by saying they should just burn the house down... And I watched that like with no mo- like notion in my mind of that. I would just be like, "That's brilliant." Yeah, it's a fantastic opener, and I I don't think I've seen anything that really rivals that kind of opening scene yet, because it immediately grabs you and pulls you into the movie. And unfortunately, the movie doesn't stay that good. But mm-hmm. uh, and mine, my favorite scene or memorable scene, basically follows that one right away and it's the slaughter at the motel okay um it's the perfect way of setting up valak as the big bad of the movie valak where he takes doing valak things 20 30 people just on his own kills everybody yet by the end of the movie he can't take out james woods one-on-one it is a very unbalanced film and they betray the viewer by setting him up as this massive monster at the beginning of the movie and then we don't get that throughout the rest but i love it it's my most memorable scene because that's where we also get my most memorable line um but i it's it's just so badass Mm -hmm. and i wish that the hard-hitting storytelling that was in your scene followed with this scene continued throughout but alas it does not all right, man. So what are your final thoughts on John Carpenter's Vampires? Um, I like this movie, but it doesn't feel like a John Carpenter movie to me. You know, um, his movies, the feeling of them change from decade to decade. And I find that each of his movies are slightly worse than the, it, their predecessor. Like you can, you watch this and in the mouth of madness together, and you can tell by the soundtrack and the way it's filmed. This is done by the same director, only not as good as in the mouth of madness. And I know a lot of people didn't like that movie. It's still one of my favorites. Like I like vampires, but this is nowhere near as enjoyable as in the mouth of madness. And that only came out like three years before. Um, I like, I like how the vampires in this film are basically bloodthirsty animals 
and that you brought that up in your uh, memorable line. Uh, it's just, it's the movie's so uneven. It's so unbalanced. It sets itself up for success and then just pisses it all away. And I don't know why. It's really frustrating. I think it's still an entertaining watch, but by the time you get to the final act, you just kind of want it to be over. So I don't know if it's really a recommend for the whole thing or if it's just, hey, check out the first few scenes because this is what vampire movies really should be. Uh, I'm torn, man. No, I can't recommend it. I do like it. I'm glad I own it, but I'm not going to tell anybody to watch it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You? I don't like this movie, dude, and I'm not recommending it to anybody. Yeah. Honestly, I think that it is a shame that some amazing performances by Daniel Baldwin and Thomas Ian Griffith are wasted on this movie. First of all, if you're going to go with this style of vampire, where it is a lot more bloodthirsty, combat heavy, don't cast James Woods as the protagonist. Like, yeah. don't. Like, that's not in any... Like, the moment you watch the beginning of this movie, you're like, this guy shouldn't beat anybody. Okay, uh, before you continue with that, and I want to hear what you have to say, it's... There's a quote here I have that says Carpenter cast James Woods as Jack Crow because he wanted, quote, the vampire slayer to be as savage as the prey he's after. A guy who's just as menacing as the vampires. James Woods is the kind of guy you'd believe could and would chew off the leg of a vampire. I'm like, no, that is the most backward statement I've ever heard. Yeah, it's absolutely the first mistake that they made with this movie. And quite frankly, I also don't think I would have cast Thomas Ian Griffith in this movie. Really? Interesting. Why is that? This movie, essentially, for lack of a better word, muzzles the character. Mm -hmm. Think back to when we reviewed Fright Night. Great movie. That first reveal, when we know who it is sitting in the chair, and you just see this, like, head peek around that like almost menacing plotting strategic charming charismatic type of vampire but then that will also get his hands dirty would be so phenomenal for thomas ian griffith it's like yeah. here's this character that has so much presence as a vampire and we're going to do nothing with him we're going to make him the most one-dimensional vampire ever we're going to make him lose to some guy who he should have just been scraping off the bottom of his shoe after one scene. <laughs> it's very true. Like this, you know, if you're going to cast James Wood in this protagonist role, make it that Valak is that type of conniving vampire that's outsmarting him. Because if it's physical confrontation, he should not have a chance. No. And it's and been like almost 600 years. You think he would have learned yeah i'm i i cannot disagree with you with how fantastic thomas ian griffith is as valak but that character should have been put in a much better movie yeah and yeah. quite frankly you can bring montoya with with him to that movie because he was phenomenal and could have been a sidekick to a much better character yeah so, no, I don't recommend this movie. I'm very saddened by it. it it's legitimately sad. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no wonder that this movie was in development hell for so long. 
Like they've been trying to make it for close to a decade before it actually came out. Different directors, different actors in and out story rewrites, everything. I don't even know how much of what we saw was the original script. And I'm kind of curious to know how the, uh, how the characters were dealt with earlier on, because this, it feels like different pieces of stories stitched together. Some very strong, some very weak. And it's just, I, I love the actors in it, except for James Woods, but it's a, such a mess. It's so disappointing. I'm with you, buddy. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad I, that was your pick. I had, and the problem is that I was genuinely excited for it. When I picked it, I was really looking forward to it. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. All right, we're, we're, we're turning the page on this one. Okay. If you guys want to share your thoughts, of course, we would love to hear what you guys thought of the movie. Hit us up on social media at BS Bargain Bin, facebook.com slash BS Bargain Bin, the comment section of the YouTube video. Let us know. What did you think of the movie? What did you think of the performances? Are we spot on with Daniel Baldwin and Thomas Ian Griffith? Are there some adamant James Woods defenders out there who want to tell us we're wrong? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, please do. Now, before I ask you what we're watching next week, I should also say something that maybe I should have been saying since day one. If you're listening to this anywhere else, please head to YouTube and like and subscribe. We, we really want to get that custom URL, or at least I do. I don't know if Ben really even thinks about it. I like movies. <laughs> I like turtles. Ben, what <laughs> yeah. are we watching next week? Uh, next week, we are returning to the world of video game movies. And I'm very curious to hear what you and uh, our guest have to say about the 2016 film Warcraft. For years, our world has been at peace. But something is coming. I can feel it. Dark forces are upon us. Find these beasts, or whatever they are. Our world is dying. There is nothing to go back to. If our people are to survive, we must make a home here. Whatever happens... Whatever happens... If we do not unite, our world will perish. This doesn't need to happen. There is one who may help us. For orcs, there is no other life but war. No, but with the human's help, there could be. Why are you here? To save our people. Can we trust him? They're beasts. They should all be destroyed. Are you sure about that? We'll protect the kingdom. You and I. You'd side with the humans. Against your own kind. 
This is suicide. We have no choice. We should attack with full force. Whatever you plan to do, do it now! Until next week, have a good one. All the best.